0: and we're live welcome to don't be coy i'm your host uncle lou and today i have the honor pleasure and the utmost appreciation to have with me today mr andrew gonzalez andrew how are you doing this afternoon hey i'm
1: doing good man how you doing
0: i'm doing pretty good man how was your previous week
1: oh man it's uh, another grind another day another dollar good week so far work trying to stay regular consistent on my routines and all that so good stuff man how about you
0: it's been pretty good man it's what i can't lie and say that has definitely been a very enduring week it feels with a lot of stuff going on at work organizations are quite tight as far as what are going to be our priorities we don't necessarily have funding for all of these various different activities we were going to do prior And so it's just really a grind mode. And I will definitely say it has been a, I earned my check for sure.
1: (laughs) You probably did more than earn that check. Yeah, I hear you, man.
0: Exactly. Just to give a little bit of a high level overview. This is season two of Don't Be Coy, focusing in on moments of transformation. And what I wanted to do is just give an opportunity for you to just share your story, talk a little bit. We'll cover some of the things from past, present, and future. And what are those lessons that we learn from our past and present that can allow us to be more intentional and more present as we go towards our future? And man, just really wanted to just take some time to let you just share a little bit about who you
1: are. Yeah, man, I'm Andrew Gonzalez. I'm from Richmond, California, Bay Area. It's about 15 minutes from Oakland, 20 minutes from San Francisco. Grew up there. And then uh, I went to Brown for undergrad. I did political science and did a a lot of cool things there. Met a lot of really great people like you, man, and really thought I had a strong community at Brown. It was, uh, wouldn't trade that experience, man, for anything. And uh, after Brown, I came back to Richmond. Uh, I was a teacher at the middle school I used to go to. Actually, my uh, younger sister and my nephew were students of mine, but teaching was phenomenal. I loved it. Lots of challenges administratively, but like with the students, bro, it was like, man, nothing better. And learned so much about myself, learned so much about grace, learned so much about interacting with other people. It was just like, I wouldn't trade that experience for so much of anything, man. And so I taught for a couple of years, taught English, and then I went to law school. I went to Harvard, and school was great. It got interrupted with the pandemic, so I finished my last half of law school away from cambridge and back in california i'm a man of faith and so i believe all things work together for the good for god's children and so it was a trip because i was bummed about leaving school but also excited It started starting to get cold out in boston i'm a california boy through it through it but it's nice to get back to the fun side. and when i did the lord had my fiance wait my wife wait on me man and so <laughs> be my wife in a little while but uh, we met during the pandemic and that was just a, a phenomenal blessing that i can't even fully describe and so it was that and then graduated law school and uh, started working man and so now i'm a practicing lawyer i've done a few things i mean, just get my career started but very grateful for god's grace and all the love and, and support i got in my life man It's, it's uh, yeah it's great thank you for that. i really appreciate that and
0: One thing that I really want to touch on because I'm noticing like a common theme, as you mentioned, where you grew up in California, like the movie Coach Carter was inspired by that, going to Brown, being in that kind of Ivy League environment, but yet being able to have and find a space of community as an African-American and around other people of color, and then also going and getting that opportunity to go back and give back to your school and then see from those two different type of worlds of literally East Coast and West Coast and take some of those experiences back with you to teach middle school and get the really great opportunity of teaching some of your family. I know that's got to be beautiful. And then transitioning into law school, what I'm really curious about you mentioned that you, in undergrad you focused on on political science, and I'm curious, what was it about your upbringing that made you interested in pursuing that route, and then later on in pursuing a law degree?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, man. I think growing up for people who've never seen Coach Carter or familiar with Richmond, California, it's a typical low income, black and brown city inner city characterized with a lot of the things that unfortunately our low income black and brown cities have throughout this country, lack of certain services or school systems, lots of violence, lots of instability, like there's a lot of different challenges, right? And so growing up in that environment, I had friends and a lot of family members who were involved in things that obviously I didn't want to be a part of or schools and here in classes. Just frankly, as a kid, like I'm 10, but I know. Come on, bro, this is out of hand. There's no way it's to look like this, man. In that, you know, one of the scriptures I like in the Bible it says, "You're in this world, but you're not of it." In a lot of these systems, But I'm not of this, meaning like there's got to be more. Like I always feel like, man, like I love to come around, but there's got to be more. Something is like not all the way right here, and so I became interested relatively early on and change-making. And when I say that, I don't mean sometimes people who want to be politicians out of my community. In the sense of like, how do I work with other people at an interpersonal level, community level, or maybe even a larger structural level or systems level, level to make everyday realities just easier, whether that's like just being a kind person and showing up with grace, whether that's making somebody laugh on a sub day, whether that's helping out and volunteering where there's needs, whether that's whatever my charitable, like, whatever. I just wanted to figure out yeah. how can I be a good community member, man. And so a lot of the activities and activism I did in middle school or high school were all around working with systems in my local community, whether that was our school board, our city council, local activist group, stuff like that. And that was like something that really got me going. And it really impacted me. And So I think that was the the genesis or the birth of okay, political science. I, I the other part is like to be very honest, like the schools I went to to be versed in knowing the myriad of degrees that were out there. And so yeah. I was like, nah, I know political science. I heard that what a lot of things relate to that part as well, to that from the story that I won't rehash. But I think for similar reasons I end up going to law school. I really appreciate that. I think
0: the beautiful thing that you articulated is that When you come from a background where you're familiar with math and science, you're familiar with and sports, what were some of the activities that you participated in that not only engaged your core beliefs and core interests, but developed them as well in a sense of stretching what you thought that scope could initially look like? Man, that's a loaded
1: question. It's because I know you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and brother. See, the overarching thing was that one particular group I was in. I think, man, like the black students at Brown when I was there are some of the most gifted, talented, inspiring people I've ever met in life. Like, period. I was obviously coming from high school in the, that environment. I was like, dang, like the world is a deep place. Like, people out here really moving it. And, and then I left Brown, and I was like, oh. You no, know, it's not the whole world. It was just like, I was around the people. And so I think, man, there were so oh. many Black folks that Brown who was really a real-life movement, like really about not just the political education and social education and not just about starting rallies and protests. Not all. My capacities with language and articulating, different challenges that I might experience that stem from overarching racial issues or structural economic issues. Man, it came from like just classmates. Like people would just sitting it up in the dorms, chopping it up for or a number of people in our like, it used to be called the Bear World Center and then it got changed to the Brown. I don't remember the name, like Center for Students of Color. I think that's it, Brown students, Center for Brown Students. Center for Students of Color, but man, like there was some radical minds in that university who taught me so many things. Man, I think that just being around them was a real, a humbling honor, and something that like my life immeasurably been benefited. And then a few other groups, man. So like I, I started a fraternity on campus at Brown my sophomore year. That group has been man super powerful in a lot of ways. I just think that just the Collective organization at Brown and our focus on community service at that school, particularly and in the Providence community, helped grow and satisfy some of that which you're talking about. So, I think that was obviously really formative. And then, just several other things like our brotherhood, our Black Minister, which wasn't a fraternity, but just like a student group was also great. Our Black Student Union was great. Had a lot of opportunities to plug in so many ways. I feel like I could talk about that for like maybe 50 minutes.
0: You're all good. And like you touched on something that I specifically wanted you to highlight. So I'm glad that you caught that loaded question in the sense your fraternity that you started understanding about other fraternities outside of the MPHC. It's like a whole unheard of world as like an African-American individual. It's you particularly want to join in the, I guess you could say traditional divine nine And then if you're going to go outside of that, that's a whole different world. That's usually if you join like a white fraternity or something of that nature and you go to that Mm -hmm. kind of school. What I really valued about like your fraternity in particular was that it was something different and really focused towards like the community service aspect. Like as an alpha, yeah, it's all started as community service, but there's a lot of social aspects towards it. But really and truthfully, the level of intentionality and focus that you put towards not only Brown, but the Providence community, which is a space that needs a lot of type of support. But I'm curious about when you and your fellow brothers were sitting in that room developing this concept, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. was some of the things that, like, you wanted to get out of it? And then some of yep. the things that you got out of it that you could have never
1: anticipated. Man, some of these questions I've never gotten. Some I haven't gotten in so long. All of them are excellent, bro. So, like, I think it's important to acknowledge the roots of the Divine Nine and a lot of the MPHC fraternities. Because, like you mentioned, man, so many great leaders that we have come from those organizations and are still coming from those groups. So much great work has come from that, those organizations and continues to come from those organizations and other co-founders who started the fraternity with me. It was three of us who had the idea. We had not come from home communities where we were exposed to those organizations. I felt like when I got to college, and at Brown, admittedly, it's not like I went to Morehouse or school down south where it's that's like culture, but like at Brown, there were a few people who were in these organizations, but just a few. There were people from different parts of the country who at least had, had some exposure, some insight. Growing up where I did, to be be honest, I just didn't like. I didn't know anybody. Like, uh-huh. I didn't really know anybody. I was very a lot of it. Like a lot of coming into undergrad was the learning experience about those organizations, about what they do, where they come from, their history, all of that good stuff. When we started our organization, we were, it seemed like there were a lot of barriers to entry fraternities at Brown, because you had the white organizations that were like, man, you could be black in those, but it's probably a tough time to be black in one of those white organizations. And there were people who did it, obviously, and they did it well, and that was for them, but that was a significant barrier to entry. Then you had a few of the divine nine organizations, and we didn't have all of them. I think we had two, maybe. I think we had Alphas and Catholics, maybe. And those are citywide chapters. And so, in order to participate, you had to be well, citywide, but it's kind of statewide. You had to be like kind of around the state of Rhode Island, like, mm-hmm. you know, like special activities were off campus. And so that was like, okay, challenging. And then there was a financial aspect where it was like, dang, I really don't got a D. I don't got $1,000 or whatever it is. And I don't know how I'm going to get it. Like, you know, it's like, okay, so what we'll just like have our friends and our friends will be our friends. But we end up having two pretty close friends who we were friends with us freshman year and academically were prohibited from coming back because of their performance. And we thought, man, man, we could support and love on each other and do so in a radical way where we also invested in the city of and in the community around us. And so that was what we were hoping to do to support other black men and help build a community at Brown. And I think we ended up doing that, man. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about Community of private I learned a lot about allies. I learned a lot, man. And so I think that was just a real beautiful time. I
0: totally understand that, man. And I think that seeing just even from a peripheral standpoint of the work that y'all did during that particular time, the continuation and growth of the bonds that were formed within those relationships, I think that it really and truthfully highlights to what we're ultimately trying to do. What was that experience like for you in the sense to say, hey, this is something that I truly value, plus realizing the administrative challenges that may or may not have led you to pursue like further education routes to have an impact towards whatever
1: community you serve? Wow. So I think one of the main things that I learned as a teacher was great because you have to, you don't have to be, but you have to be gracious, man, with the students, recognize, especially, like, I was dealing with teachers, dealing with, they're going to have some good days, they're going to have some bad days, like the best stuff, have some good days, have some bad days, you gotta, because so I think being there, learning that lesson was so vitally important for me in all areas of life. And I say that to say, I think it was a season that I was required to be in and embrace and enjoyed it, while also acknowledging some of those administrative challenges. It was like, wow, the work I'm doing here with these students is really great, but there are things that are out of my control. And there are things that I'm also really interested in. I think that's why like between teacher and lawyer, not often connected, but I think experiences they are oh so similar. In the sense that you got one student and they got, they might come to you and they might have a domestic violence issue. Their parents are whatever with each other or with them. They might have a housing issue. They were recently evicted or being threatened to be evicted or their housing is unstable. They might have a food security issue. They might have issues with law enforcement. They might have issues with, like, you are in the blank. Mm-hmm. So many challenges, right? And so I'm like, wow, I'm exposed. Who are soon coming to me with, that's just one kid across the board. And so I recognize, wow, there's a lot of things that I'm helping students with that I would also like to help beyond the class. And some of the relationships that you have with students as their teacher are confined to the classroom. And so that was, I learned that there. And I think then transferred a lot of what I learned there into the lawyering and to law school and recognizing how interdisciplinary law school is and how multifaceted being a lawyer is similar ways to being a teacher.
0: If you don't mind sharing, can you share a little bit more around what your specialty in law is? Like, I don't know if it's criminal. I don't know if it's working in-house.
1: One of those type of things. Yeah, so I don't have have a specialty. I wouldn't say. In law school, I did a lot of education-related work and I did a lot of housing-related work. I would Mm -hmm. say I was probably most expert in and I did some criminal defense stuff too, probably most experts on housing. And that was the issue, that issue area that ended up being the most personally satisfying to me, working with tenants who were evicted or facing eviction or whatever the case might have been. I really liked housing work. Last year, I worked at a law firm. who did corporate work. I also did like criminal appeal. And stuff like that. I also did some sports work. And now I'm working for a judge who's got an even greater range. She does criminal work, civil work, success. She does an election process. Prim- this is all across the board. So I think like I've been trying to use law school these last two years, kind of figure it out. And I'm not sure what I exactly want to do just yet.
0: I think that's a really great pivot towards like where you are presently and discussing what this season kind of looks like for you like you as you mentioned Uh before while you were in school you did a lot of things around like housing security did maybe a little bit of exposure towards like criminal justice and then going and being two years out of law school that first year working for a firm that as you said has a full range portfolio of what that could potentially look like and i then shifting towards an individual judge that has, once again, another full range portfolio. I think for you, that gives you a lot of opportunity and exposure to see from all the experiences that you've had prior around what are going to be topics of interest that fulfill your cup. And so that leads to my question of like, with the work that you're doing now, what is it that draws you that fills your cup on a daily basis?
1: Big Brother, it's selling today, man. This is not come to play on this episode, dog. I thought we were about to relax on this box, get a couple of sports, man. I don't know what I thought, but I was wrong, dog. I was wrong, man. I was wrong. Okay, what well, fills my cup? Lord, help me. All right, I'll give you a... <laughs> this is my, my grandfather from Laurel, Mississippi. He was 50, born and raised in the 20s, man. And one thing he used to tell me from a young age, he said, drink, you dance with the dream, brought you to the prom. And what he meant by that was you got to stay with the stuff that worked for you. My dad didn't necessarily like that. He told me that because I was like, kid, like, bro, what? Like, what are you talking about? But I understand how to stick with the things that have stuck with you. And so I think what that means is no matter, the, no matter where I'm at, I'm in D.C. physically now working for a judge. Next year, let's say I'm in Dallas next year I'm in New York, wherever it is, like there are things that just overwhelmingly I have to have. I have to have core, and these are all things above work. Like I have to have my relationship with God. have to be regular. have to have that. Or else work means nothing. I have to have great relationship with my fiance. It's soon to be wife. I have to have that. I have to have great relationship with my family and my folks. I got to get back home. Like I tend to I am not one of those kids who I'm living in New York and I'm never out. I, I like I gotta watch a game with him. Like I gotta do those things. I have to tap in with my brothers, my friends. I gotta have social like those are things that are like filling the blank. So that's like on the daily. If I got that that's solid. Now when it comes to work, bro, there have been a few areas where I've really been satisfied, I think. The issue of housing stuff, it continues to be important. It's tough. It doesn't come up in my job now as much as it did last year, but it's still important. I really, I'm really fascinated with people's workplace relationships. Mm-hmm. I had a case this past year with a, and it's public now, so that's cool. it was like it was a, a woman was, was being treated wrongfully at work and then was ultimately terminated, and she's a black woman, and... Uh, choosing the military and a lot of a lot of people in that And when I say a lot of people like some of my just people were reading this case before we deciding were deciding it. Didn't necessarily see it how I saw it initially, but you could just start to see there's a lot of things that we as people have to go through. just to show up to work, man. So being able to write something and help her and her case and resolve that workplace issue meant a lot to me. It's not the spectacular or grand, but it's just the everyday, man. Like, I want to show up. Like, and I think that's related to the housing thing, too. Like, housing, when you have it, like, you don't think about it too much. Like, you got a place to, to sway your head, but when you don't, it's it. And mm-hmm. we should be able to have those fundamental foundational things that you don't have to think about, place to sleep, place to eat, a place to go to work and to be cool. And so I think, like, being able to work and help in that kind of capacity is something that has really done me going through.
0: That's really beautiful. And I think I'm I'm seeing and hearing a reoccurring theme here. As you were talking about earlier, just growing up in your community, didn't know anybody who went to college really. And then going to a space where you're like, wow, like the world's really amazing. But then getting hit with reality, be like, oh man, this is not real. But having that exposure and having those seasons to where you can be in that kind of space and then be able to pass that baton or be a helping hand to individuals who navigating a system that for better or for worse, for whatever reason, wasn't built for them or wasn't built with them in mind. And I think that one of the things that I, 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 find to be interesting is that you have this ability to recognize other people's goals or other people's challenges and be able to provide that kind of voice or be able to provide that kind of platform for other people's to either share their experiences or benefit from the infrastructure that has been created. And so I'm curious about, there are like core competencies or core things that you need to have to fulfill in your life. I'm curious around as you're going into this next phase of your life of marriage, and I must say continuing on within your career, what are the priorities to be able to say, I'm in a space where I can settle, or is it a space where you are like a tumbleweed, where you're taking in different spaces that you're navigating through to get to the place that you want to be.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the older I get, the more I recognize. Like, I'll never be done. I used to think that, like, oh man, once I graduate, be do that, get the job, like, and get married, like, I'm chilling. Right like, good. But I recognize, man. Okay, now I have to learn to parents. Who- your relationship with your parents, think you so much as you get older. Like you see them differently, you know, you, so I got to, I got to learn to be. And so I do think it's more of that humbly example where you're taking so much in constantly mm. trying to give out too. And so I don't think, I don't think there's a message that I have. to say, wow, I'm chilling. But I think hey, it just be like, for the season, what's the season I'm in? And I think I show up. And be the best I can be in that season.
0: Yeah. And I think what you talked about there is you realize that there's so many different seasons to come and like some of these things, like you can anticipate in the sense of, like, okay, I need to become well, a husband, maybe potentially become a father, like growing in my career, the life cycle events in life that we all will endure when it comes to our loved ones and sure. saving space for that, but then One of the things that I think is a value that I appreciated that you talked about each and every one of the seasons prior was that you were able to recognize and be present within that particular season and then seek the value into that. And I think that's a valuable skill to be able to have when you're in the moment but not necessarily a easy skill to be able to implement when you're planning for the future. And knowing that you're a very strong and dedicated Christian, I'm curious around how you leverage like your spirituality and then other aspects as well to be able to be present
1: and value the moment that you're in. Back there, right there, man you have to live and be content with the daily bread that you have. There's a scripture that if you got enough food to eat and drink to drink and clothes to wear for that day, you're good, brother. Mm -hmm. You're good. And there's the element of that. Of You know what, Lord? Like, I trust you so much that as long as I still got breath in my body and I got food to eat today, like, I'm feeling, I'm pretty seasoned. This is a seat. like, I'm in a, a different season right now, and I've had to learn just. That man, like, wow, last year was such a season of comfort for me. Uh, I was working at the law firm. I was, they paid me pretty nice, man. I was, fiance around, folks around. The job wasn't hard. It was fun. I got to work with. I worked with the NFL, I worked with the Chargers. I worked with Major League Baseball. I worked mm. with, I worked with Showtime. Prime video mm. I work with them. I did some cool stuff, man. Yeah. All pretty much my home got the pie all around and it was this season different. Living alone, I say is in California. I'm in DC. My folks are there. I'm getting paid way less. I got way more responsibilities. Like things are a lot more challenging, man, in that sense. I, I'm I don't have a car out here. I'm taking the bus, I'm taking the train, like I'm doing a lot, like it's a lot. Yeah. So you know, that about instead of being content, okay, this is the season I'm in. Okay, you're like I might as well just get my mind wrapped around. This is not the season of comfort, brother. This is the season get to work. It's mm-hmm. a season where you got to work on your words, change some old ways, develop some new ways, get rid of some old thinking. Time for you to empathize more with people, it's time for you to learn what it's like again to be. You thought you made it out, brother. Here you go again. <laughs> but but I think it's beautiful because then God, I trust you to. I trust you to hold me in this seat. Like, God, I trust you so mm-hmm. much that I know, like, I hate having to wake up at the crack of dawn to catch the bus. And then it's a journey and it's a process and it takes a while. But I think, like, uh, you know, with a bit of faith, like, I've never seen God fail me before. So I'm just like, okay, you won't know, fit. This is not the time. So, yeah.
0: That's a valuable. That's a valuable thing to learn. We might not always anticipate what the next chapter is going to look like for us, but what we can mm. do is be engaged in making sure that we're, whether it's reading it, whatever kind of analogy you want to apply to it, but being present is the key. And I think that one of the things that even for example, like myself, like I noticed where if I didn't necessarily like something and I knew that this season was going to last three months, three years, whatever it may be, like, I'm just trying to, like, rush through it as much as I possibly can. (laughs) Uh Exactly. Yep. But what you do is you miss out on what those particular opportunities can be. But I appreciate the fact that you are aware enough to have that kind of lens to say, hey, God, you brought me here. This is the space that I need to be. Let me make sure that my eyes are all wide open so I can take everything in from it.
1: Hey, man, hey, you gave me a lot of credit there, but I think a lot of ways when I started, I was like, you brother. I was like, like let me get it. Like, let me start at 9, let me get here at 9 and leave. No, I don't want to hang out. Like no, I don't want to. See you. Like I was the fool. Like I was. People were like, "Bro, we didn't even know you were in DC." Uh, I think that somewhere around I was like, "Okay, God, I'm happy. I'm I'm not happy with a lot of the things I have to do, but I'm happy that you have me here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to to then explore and to do what you ask me to do and just do it freely and and make things better, man. I go see people on the weekends hang out with my coworkers for a little bit more, does a bit more. And like you said, you want to squeeze everything you can out of the experience. And so it's been so much more valuable when I've had that perspective, man. It's been because I don't you don't want to teach yourself either. Like you worked hard to be there. And so you might as well get you paid to be here. I remember one of my mentors was like, brother, like to get the job you got, like that's the reason you work so hard in high school and in college and then in law school. It's because you want to be here, and so it, it's going to be a challenge. But you you have already paid the sacrifice to be there, man. And so don't give up now, and don't don't give a half effort now. And so I'm trying to carry that perspective. It's not easy every day, for sure. But your point is so right about contentment and being present and being engaged. I love that word, being engaged, man. You have to be. That makes a lot
0: of sense, wanting to be like present, being engaged, making that intentional effort and having that shift to make that decision to do that. And I think sometimes they say like pressure makes diamond and fire makes gold. Sometimes you have to deal with a lot of the pressures of being in a very uncomfortable situation that drives you to that point of saying, am I gonna fight for this and continue going? Or am I just gonna leave and say, forget this place was terrible and have that negative narrative around that particular season. And I think it's all about the perspective that you have to say, hey, I don't wanna look at this as like a bad part of my life. I worked hard to get to this point. I did all of this stuff to get to this point. And I told myself, years ago that I wanted to be a change agent and like to be a change agent I might have to go through a lot of these experiences to get to this point point. and I think one of the things that I really appreciate about through this whole entire conversation is that you've stayed true to yourself and aligned not only your professional goals but even your personal decisions as well to who you are as in particular individual, and I just want to ask this question just as a, a curveball, if you will. But what I'm curious about is not a lot of people can do that. Individuals kind of waver about, around who they are as an individual, and they may stray from those core values or stray from what they know to be true to themselves experience that exploratory phase and what it sounds like to me through the storms that you've weathered you've hold tight to that same old coat that's kept you dry this entire time you didn't see dang <laughs> man is there something else that i can do to make this better and uh, i like that analogy i'm curious what has been that common factor that has allowed you to stay so close to who you are.
1: Yeah, man. I have no, I literally cannot answer it a different way, but it's the word of God. Mm. I think it's just, come on, man, talk to me. Like I have to think, change. God never changes. God never changes. His word never changes. And so, because he doesn't, he doesn't change. His word doesn't change. So long as I am constantly in his word and communing with him that I think he's going to, obviously, he's going to mature and transform and change me. And there's obviously ways that I've done, that I've developed. And there are things, character-building moments that, like, I had to shed some old ways, and some new ways. But in terms of being who, cool, I feel like it's really the Word of God has really kept me consistent in that way. And there's just no other way I can explain it, man. I appreciate that. I really think aligning
0: yourself with that source of truth that— regardless of any kind of trials or any kind of circumstances you can throw at it it still holds true and it still gives you that kind of fulfillment that to that same expression of fulfilling your cup so i totally get that i really appreciate just you taking the time to just sit down with me and chop it up and all that kind of stuff today It's been a really great opportunity just to catch up with you and learn a little bit more about your story. And I just wanted to just take a moment to just say, thank you. And I really appreciate your time today. Uh,
1: Oh man, absolutely. And to be very honest, the pleasure is really all mine. You got a beautiful podcast. You got a beautiful journey, and story yourself, but you're so humble and racist and you're so inquisitive. Your ability to retain what people are saying and really listen really just like phenomenal and again excellent brother and it was a great time getting a chance to be on here and speak with you it's really a privilege man and so i appreciate you and everything you got going on and doing it's just so important So, thank you and much love yes of course
0: man before i let you go and get back to the rest of your day i do have a few lightning questions that i like to do on every episode so I'm going to just run through these real quick, and then I'll let you get to the rest of your day. We'll do it. All right. Do you prefer texting, talking, or video chats, and why? Video chat was my I love it. What mm-hmm. or who inspires you and why?
1: to me, Daniel. I'm talking about Daniel from the book of Daniel in the Bible. <laughs> God, Lee, all the things he said to be an exile in Babylon, like he wasn't from there, but ended up being like, one of the top dogs there. They said, Daniel will kill you if you pray. He said, Let me pray a little louder with the doors open. Okay, you're in the lions, then bring them all. I know God is going to be by my side. And so I think that's a brother who I look up to. He inspires me. His story is great. Um, his ability to see in the spirit and business and all of that is phenomenal. And just what he represents courage, resilience, and what God could do with somebody he can have a heart for him and a heart for his people, I think is powerful. Oh, Daniel's my guy. No, no. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate that a lot. And then lastly, on a scale from 1 to 10, how
1: good are you at keeping secrets? Man, that's a tough one. I would say about an 8. Now, the only reason I'm not giving myself a 10 is because, again, I say will try and pull stuff out of me. The confidentiality of them. I've learned that. Yeah, I think I not try to pull against that duty, but other duties of confidentiality of friends. He tries to get it out of me. Part. i appreciate that man like i said
0: i hope you have a great rest of your day and i appreciate talking to you no
1: doubt man i hope you did the same brother all
0: right this has been another episode of don't be coy with uncle Lou. as always i'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation as well as thank you the listener for joining in whether you're a first-time listener or regular i always appreciate your support if you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.